Oh, we are uh, excited this morning to, to welcome uh, to the, the pulpit uh, Shannon Brown. Uh, Shannon and his wife, uh, Heather, and uh, the, their daughters, Clara and Katie, have been a part of the First Baptist family since uh, uh, relocating to this area a couple of years ago. There's some bio information uh, about them in the worship folder to, to find out a little bit uh, more. Uh, but a particular uh, note, uh, uh, they've had experience here in South Carolina in church planting, uh, and it's our privilege to be able to come alongside them and support them as they're in the process of giving leadership to planting Indian Land Community Church. And we're excited about the opportunity to plant a gospel-believing church there in that area. And if you would be interested in knowing a little more about Indian Land Community Church, you can certainly check them out online and through social media. But even more accessible this morning is there's a little table and an area out in the lobby to my right, to your left, after the close of the service, they'll be part of the church planning team that'll be hanging out there and be glad to, to talk with you more, answer questions, and maybe just some ways you can find out uh, how, to, how to partner with them or how to pray with them uh, as they uh, continue to move forward in this church planting uh, effort. Shannon, come on up and break the word. I want to tell you, every time I'm invited to, uh, to be a guest speaker for someone, it just always reminds me of this old joke, and uh, maybe you guys have heard it, and if you have, just wait till I get to the punchline before you start laughing, but uh, this pastor, he was having kind of a rough week, and you know, Saturday night, he wasn't feeling too great, he was just like, I'm just so tired, I don't really want to do this tomorrow, so Sunday morning, he wakes up, and he calls the associate pastor, and he calls out sick, and he's like, you know, I'm going to go play golf, and so he drives a couple of cities over, gets out, Gets up to the first tee, 425 yards. He measures up and he just smacks the snot out of the ball. And he's standing there watching. All of a sudden, this big gust of wind comes. And wouldn't you know it, a hole in one. 425 yard hole in one. Now, there's an angel up there next to God going, okay, why, why, why'd you let that happen? And God just chuckles. He's like, who's he going to tell? Thank you for you, for you uh, that's a bad dad joke, I'm sorry. It's, uh, anyway, uh, well, good morning. Thank you guys for being here today. I'm so excited to be with you to, uh, to open up God's Word. Thank you, Jeff, for giving me this opportunity. And uh, I'm just, I'm excited about what God is uh, doing here. He's doing uh, through us over in Indian land and through the church that we're starting out there. And uh, just, uh, I'm excited to be partnering with you guys and, and, uh, and here to just kind of share uh, something from God's Word that has uh, been on my heart for a long time. I, I've tried to veer away from this passage uh, that we're going to be looking at today several times, and God just kind of kept bringing me back to it and bringing me back to it. And uh, really, it just kind of makes sense of, of what we're doing today. We're going to be talking about Jesus. There it is. Talking about Jesus, and it's working back here now. That's great. First service, I had to keep turning my back to everybody, so I'm going to try not to do that to you guys too much. We're going to talk about Jesus. The reason we're going to talk about Jesus is because, well, it's summertime, and summertime's, you know, usually mission trips, and as we were kind of talking about already this morning, you know, different uh, mission teams have been sent out. Um, you know, hopefully all of us who are Christians are living on mission every day, um, but it's really the kind of time of year when really... We should be talking about Jesus. Not that we shouldn't be talking about him all the time, but, you know, mission trips and all that fun stuff. We're going to be talking about Jesus, right? So that's what we're going to do today. And why are we going to talk about Jesus? Well, because we're in church. 
And that's what we do in church, right? Talk about Jesus. Well, that's not all that we do in church, and that's not all that church is about, so I don't want you to just assume that that's what it is. We're going to talk about Jesus today because Jesus is like the most important guy in the universe. He is God's son. He is our savior. And we're going to talk about him a little bit today. And really, another way of saying talking about Jesus is to to gossip the gospel, to gossip the gospel. Now, I don't think that is original to me. I'm not really sure who, it may have been Jeff um, just a couple of weeks ago, I'm not sure, but uh, this kind of keeps resonating, keeps coming to mind, gossip the gospel, to talk about Jesus, to share about what's going on in our lives thanks to Jesus Christ. Now, the reason that we're here today to talk about Jesus is because of Jesus, right? The whole reason that we're here is because Christ exists, because he was resurrected, because of all these things. We're also here because God created everything through him. In fact, John, who is one of uh, Jesus' followers, he gave us this beautiful letter uh, that, is, uh, that is John, his letter to us. And it says in, first, uh, in the first chapter, first three verses, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God. And the word was God. He was in the, beginning, in the beginning with God and all things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made. So yes, we're here today because of Jesus, because he was there at creation, because it is through him that God created everything. He was there, it was through him and without him, nothing was created. And so yes, we're here today to talk about Jesus and to gossip the gospel. And we're doing that because Jesus is exactly who he said he is. He's exactly who he claimed to be. You see, Jesus was a real guy who was really the son of God, who came to the planet Earth and served the people of his day. He hung out with 12 guys who followed him around for three years. And Jesus was crucified and buried, and when all thought that everything was lost and gone, he was resurrected, and he showed up again on the scene. And so we're going to talk about Jesus today because he's the most important person in the universe. He's the only person who volunteered to die for you and for me, and then came back to life to never die again. He's the only person who can offer us salvation. He's the only name by which we are saved. We're going to talk about Jesus today because he commanded his disciples a long time ago to go out and talk about him, to go. He gave them this great commission, go and make disciples, baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And that's why we're doing that. That that command wasn't just for the disciples, it's for us today. We are supposed to go and talk about Jesus. Now, let me pause for just a second and talk to those of you who may not be Christians yet. You may be just here investigating this whole Jesus thing. Maybe uh, you're being held hostage by your family. They won't let you leave from 4th of July vacation until you come to church with them. Maybe that's your story. Um, I'm not going to say sorry because it's awesome that you're here. But, uh, but if you're just here checking things out, welcome. I'm glad you're here. If you have questions about this whole Jesus thing and about Christianity, please find somebody and ask your question. There's no reason that you should walk around with unanswered questions. There are plenty of people around this facility who 
are happy to have a conversation with you, to talk about Jesus, to answer the questions that you have. And hopefully, before you leave today, you will get some of those answers that you're maybe looking for. So back on point. So we're called to talk about Jesus with those who are close to us and those that we encounter through our daily activity of life. Uh, Now, I know what you're thinking. You're a pastor, and it's easy for you to talk about Jesus. Well, yes, I am a pastor, but I hate to burst your bubble and tell you that, no, it's not always easy for me to talk about Jesus. Sometimes talking about Jesus freaks me out. And I'll tell you why, because I'm a relationship guy, and I know that sometimes when I start talking about Jesus, the relationship goes away. The person just refuses to have a conversation beyond that first conversation. And and for me, that's difficult to think about, okay, somebody is not going to be my friend because I just told them about Jesus. Let me give you a real life example. A few years ago, we moved to Mount Pleasant, which is a suburb of Charleston. Some of you guys may know about Mount Pleasant, South Carolina. It's beautiful. If you ever have the chance to go there, I encourage you to do that, but please come back. Um, Anyway, we were there. We had just moved there. And uh, I was hanging down at the bus stop with my daughters. Uh, We were gathered up. The adults were in a circle, all having this conversation. And, uh, well, if you've been in a circle of adults having conversations, you know that there's always just a couple of questions that always come up, right? Well, this morning, there was a question that was asked of me. And it is the most dreaded question that a pastor can get. Now, you would think that it would have to do with Darwinism or maybe the story of creation or maybe if the flood really happened or how do you, how do you justify God being love with all the evil? It's none of that stuff, man. I wish. I would love to get any one of those questions, but that is not the most dreaded question that a pastor can get. Actually, the question is, so what do you do? What is your job? Now, for those of you who have not gone through seminary, the first three courses they make you to take is on how to dodge this question. So it is, it is like it is over here on the far end of the spectrum of the questions that we want to get that, that we just try to avoid at all costs. Well, this particular morning, I got the question. And I stood there for what felt like an eternity trying to come up with a reasonable answer that wouldn't be an absolute bold-faced lie. I usually have this inner ninja who's like in there working around going, here's some ideas, here's what we can talk about, here's something we can do. That morning, apparently he didn't have his coffee and he didn't show up. And so I'm standing there and I'm thinking, okay, I've got to answer the question. Okay, 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 okay. I'm a pastor, I get to talk about Jesus for a living. That's what I do. Now, let me just go ahead and tell you, for those of you who are not pastors, when you tell someone or they find out that you're a pastor, there's something that that happens. And I don't understand it, but they just go blank. It doesn't matter who you're talking to, they go blank. And it's just like, you can kind of see their wheels turning a little bit. And they're like, okay, wait a minute. Did I swear in the last couple minutes of the conversation? Did I gossip about somebody? Wait a minute. Did I say something offensive? Is there something heinous that I have done that he's going to judge me about? 
Okay, and you can just see the look on people's face. Like there's this moment of fear, like they start trembling and it's, it's kind of funny, but at the same time, it's, you know, it's just like, okay, well, here we go. They, they're assuming all these different things about me because I'm a pastor. But anyway, on with the story. Circle, they all kind of look at me. You can see all this stuff going on. Well, this particular person who asked the question turned around and walked off. Just not, not, not another word, not a, oh, that's good, or sorry, or anything, like just turned around and walked off. And for me, as a guy who thrives on relationships, that, that hurt just a little bit. And it especially hurt because this family was one of the first families that we actually talked to when we moved into the neighborhood. I thought they were gonna be like our BFFs, like I thought we were gonna be tight. They had girls that are about the same age as our girls. I thought, this is it, this is the family, but no. Found out that I'm a pastor and walked away. So, I share that with you today because I want to encourage us to talk about Jesus. But I want you to understand that I recognize that it's difficult sometimes. That there's this fear that kind of wells up in us. And if we're all being honest, we all kind of face it, okay? It's not just me. And if you feel that, it's not just you. Everybody, everybody has this moment of fear. They have this, they have this thing that just kind of gets them. And we all know, like, we're supposed to be living on li- our lives on mission, talking about the love of Christ. You know, some, sometimes when we start bringing up Jesus, we think that people are going to lump us into those evangelicals who are misguided and they use the Bible as a weapon. You know, they use it as a baseball bat and not as a, as a purveyor of truth and the, and the shower and the revealer of God's love. And see, we don't want to, we don't want to be lumped into that category, but we know, we know we're supposed to be living our lives on mission, sharing the love of Christ. And we get scared. Now, We don't always get scared because we have this fear of rejection. There's a a bunch of other things that kind of creep into us that that bring us fear. And I've made a few uh, notes here of things that I personally have dealt with in my life when I've started to have some conversations with people about Jesus. And you know, there's a fear of a follow-up question. You're standing there, you're about to mention Jesus and you're like, wait a minute, what if they ask a question? What do I do then? Maybe I don't know enough about the Bible. Maybe I don't have enough biblical knowledge. And they ask a question that I can't answer. What if the question they ask me is about a Bible verse I didn't have in Sunday school and I didn't have to memorize it? That happens. And it's okay. Doesn't always happen, but it is a fear. What if in that moment when we feel like God is prompting us to have a conversation about Jesus... We've been praying for a loved one who's been sick. We've been praying for a new job. There's something that has caused us recently to just even question our faith. What if we're standing there in a moment we feel like God is wanting us to have a conversation about Jesus and we're starting to have a doubt? And I wanna tell you that it's okay to have a doubt. In my life, I found that when I have those moments of doubt, Usually on the other side of it, God makes me stronger and my faith is stronger than it was prior. So if you have these moments of doubt, it's okay. 
John was in jail and he had, he had this moment of, wait a minute, is the guy that I've been talking about, the guy I've been following all this time, is he the right guy? And so he sent messengers to Jesus. He's like, hey, go ask him, is he really the Messiah? And of course, Jesus confirms that he is who he said he is and that John's faith has been placed in the right guy. But we have these moments of doubt. I tell you, another fear, and this is a fear that I struggle with too, is, you know, if I start talking about Jesus, these people are going to think I'm a hypocrite. They've seen me yell at my kids because I lose my temper, because they just don't know how to pick up stuff out of the floor. Are you kidding me? My kids are great. They just are messy. But if we start talking about Jesus immediately, you know, we think, oh my gosh, I don't have a perfect life. And if I start talking about Jesus, they're going to think, well, who are you to talk to me about this guy, Jesus? And you don't even have a perfect life. You don't have your mess together. It's true. I don't. Neither do you. If anybody claims that they have their life all together, that they've lived perfectly, they're lying. Because the only guy who's ever lived a perfect life is Jesus Christ. And that's who we're here to talk about today, because he lived a perfect life. And I just want to encourage you. You see, Satan uses these fears. You know, he's looking to destroy us, but he doesn't always have to destroy us. He just sometimes needs us to pause. Sometimes he just needs to distract us for a second. Sometimes it's just about being frozen in a moment. And I want to encourage you, don't let Satan freeze you with fear. He doesn't win in the end. And you can remind him of that. You see, Jesus, through the cross and his death and his burial and then his resurrection, has completely squashed Satan. And when you feel those fears, when you feel those doubts welling up in you, just go, hey, Satan, I see you creeping around. You lose. I'm with Jesus. Jesus won, so I'm going to win. Feel free. Say it out loud. People will think you're crazy. And that's fine. Some of you are crazy. I'm with you. But remind him of this fact. Remind him that he doesn't win in the end. Jesus is the most important person in the universe. And he's a winner, and we're on his team. And we need to be talking about him. So, God knew from the very beginning that he was going to use us to advance his kingdom, to tell the story of his great love, to tell the story about Jesus and all that Jesus has done for us. And God knew, God knew that we would face those fears. And even more, he knew how to encourage us through them. You see, he prompted some guys to write some letters and then at some point in history, he prompted some other people to grab those letters and convert them into English and Chinese and Japanese and all kinds of other languages and, and bind them together. And we call that the Bible today. But I want to I remind you guys that these are letters that were written by people that God inspired to write them because God knew that we would need encouragement, that we would need some help in following him and his plan of reconciliation and being the mouthpiece for him as we talk about Jesus. 
So today, and we're actually going to get to some stuff that's in here, I promise, we're getting there. But today we're going to talk about a letter that was written by Paul. And Paul, many of you who grew up in church, you know Paul um, was this great dude. He has this story of before he was Paul, he was Saul. And, uh, and it's really interesting because Saul was this dude who was a Pharisee. He knew the Jewish law. He knew the prophets. He knew everything that he was supposed to know. He was, man, he was, he was the top dog when it comes to all the laws and all that fun stuff. And Saul was just not a nice guy. All right. He actually went around persecuting Christians because he was a Pharisee, because he thought the law that was handed down through the ancestors was the right way to live. And granted, it was until Jesus came on the scene. But see, Saul was persecuting people who were following Jesus until one day when he actually encountered Jesus. And you see, Saul went from this dude who was a really bad dude to this guy who went around planting churches. And not just planting churches, but planting churches who were following the message and the teachings of Jesus Christ. Paul was such an interesting guy. Such an interesting guy. And the letter we're going to look at from him today is actually a letter that he wrote to the church at Corinth. Now, Corinth interesting little city. It's a Greek community. Um, this is where Paul met Aquila and Priscilla. Uh, you can read about Paul's adventures uh, over in Corinth. You can, you can read from Luke's letter in Acts, uh, I think it's chapter 18, where he goes into the specifics of, of Paul's encounter with uh, Priscilla and Aquila and, and some of the stuff that he encountered there. Um, Corinth was a polytheistic city meaning they worshiped a whole lot of gods. And if you think about Greek gods, there were a ton of them, right? Uh, if you've read any mythology, you've had to do any kind of uh, study of a, a Greek culture, you'll understand that they had a ton of gods. Um, it was a sexually immoral city. Um, they partook in illicit behavior all over the place. And, uh, and it was crazy. And then another really interesting thing is that Corinth actually respected knowledge and wisdom. I mean, it makes sense because it was a Greek community, right? And we think about Greek philosophers, you know, like Socrates and Plato and these different guys. And so here's, here's this city in history where Paul, after he had an encounter with Jesus, went into the city of Corinth. And I think Corinth sounds a lot like our culture today, does it not? Kind of a free-for-all, believe what you want to believe. I am my own God. You know, I mean, just think about the way our culture is and, and what Corinth was like. Well, here's Paul who goes into the city and knowing that they respected knowledge and wisdom, when he does a presentation and he starts talking about Jesus, he does it from a philosophical viewpoint. He meets them right where they are and he puts the, the message of Jesus Christ into a package that they will respond to. It's really interesting. So anyway, so here's Paul. He's got this letter to the church in Corinth, and we're going to look at 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 11. And we're going to dig into this. Remember that this is an actual letter written by an actual guy to an actual place in history. 
Let me now remind you, dear brothers and sisters, of the good news that I preached to you before. You welcomed it then, and you still stand firm in it. It is the good news that saves you if you continue to believe the message that I told you. Unless, of course, you believe something that was never true in the first place. I passed on to you what was the most important, what was most important, and what had also been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins, just as the scriptures said. He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scriptures said. We want to note that Paul says that he just passed on the most important thing. Brothers and sisters, I want to pass on to you the most important thing. Now, as someone who is reading this back in Paul's day at the church of Corinth, is okay, brothers and sisters, this is from our, this is from our brother Paul. Paul, who started this church, this is a letter from him. He wants to tell us about the most important thing. So what does he start talking about? He starts talking about all the rules, about what you have to wear to church on Sunday, how you're supposed to love your neighbor and, and not speak ill of anybody, and you've gotta, you gotta do this, and no, no. Paul says the most important thing, the most important thing is Jesus Christ buried and resurrected. That's the most important information that he could pass on. There's a lot of stuff that he could have said there. There's a lot of important stuff, folks. But the most important thing is Jesus Christ buried and resurrected. Now, in this instance, Paul does say, hey, you know, like the law, like the scriptures said, Paul's talking about the law and the prophets, right? And back in his day, all that stuff was recorded on these huge scrolls, right? And they lived in the temples and the synagogues. And if you wanted to get your hands on them, you'd have to go through a priest and, you know, whatever. And it wasn't real convenient. Whereas today, you know, I've got my phone in my pocket and I have every version of the Bible available at my fingertips, right? Well, here's Paul. Because he was a Pharisee, he understands. He knows what the law and the prophets said. He understood it. And he says, out of everything that the scriptures say, the most important part is that Jesus Christ was promised to us that he would live his life and die and be resurrected on the third day. The scriptures tell us everything that was written before points to this guy, Jesus. He is the most important guy. The most important guy. Let's continue. Paul says, he, resurrected Jesus, was seen by Peter, then by the 12, and after that he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. Then he was seen by James and later by all the apostles. So what's Paul saying to us here? What was he saying to the church at Corinth? There are eyewitnesses. There were eyewitnesses. Now, he starts out by saying, the 12 that walked, well, I guess 11 at this point, 11 guys who walked with him most closely have seen him. Now, it's easy for us to think, okay, well, there's 11 guys. They could got in a huddle and come up with a plan, concocted a story, and then told that story to everybody. Well, Paul was thinking about that, and he was like, you know what? It's not just the 12 who were most close to him. He also went to 500 people at the same time. 
Now, I don't know about you guys, but anytime there's a crowd, it is hard to get everybody on the same page, right? I mean, we just had family in town. We had 12 extra people in our house. No, excuse me. I take that back. 12 is our total number of people in our house. And my mother-in-law went out to dinner with us one night. So we had 13. We have a party of 13. I'm going to tell you how difficult it was for 13 of us to decide on where to go eat. I mean, oh my gosh, we can't go here because I don't like that place. And we can't go there because she doesn't like that place. And we can't go there because the kids will never eat anything from there. So we end up at Captain Steve's and who knew that Captain Steve's was closed for the month of July? Come on, please. What? We finally agreed and no, they're not, they're not open. That's just 13 of us. 500 of us. Let's all get together on the same page and tell the same story about a guy who was supposed to be dead, but we've seen him walking around. Now, 500 people, many of whom were alive when Paul wrote this. Some had died. How could 500 people stick to the same story? Let me throw in a little extra wrinkle. At the time that this was written, Nero was in leadership and he used Christians as human torches to light the streets at night. You're a Christian, congratulations, you're tonight's nightlight. 500 people. Surely, if this were a bunch of bunk, somebody would have raised their hand and said, hey, I'm not gonna get set on fire tonight because this didn't happen. 500 people. And it's really interesting to me too because here's Paul who's talking about this and of course he lays out that the 12 or the 11 could come up with a story but also, hey, there's 500 more people and he puts it out almost as a challenge. Almost as a challenge. Hey, there's 500 people, many of whom are still alive today. If you don't believe me, go out in your community and start asking questions. Because 500 people experienced resurrected Jesus. Go get their story. Let them talk to you about Jesus. Don't just take my word for it. But go find someone. Now, he doesn't say that, but he's prepping it, man. He's getting ready for that follow-up question, right? He's getting ready for the follow-up question. He says, not just the 12, not just the apostles, but also to 500 other people resurrected Jesus showed up to. It's a pretty big deal. Paul continues. Last of all, as though I had been born at the wrong time, I also saw him. For I am the least of all the apostles. In fact, I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle after the way I persecuted God's church. But whatever I am now, it is all because God poured out his special favor on me. And not without results. For I have worked harder than any other apostles. Yet it is not I, but God who is working through me by his grace. It's not me, but it's God working through me by his grace. Did you catch it? Paul saw resurrected Jesus. Paul had an encounter with resurrected Jesus. Paul, who was Saul out killing people, out beating people up, who were following Jesus, all of a sudden met Jesus. And guess what happened? He became Paul, and he was on Team Jesus. 
You see, Paul had a story. Paul was Saul, encountered Christ, became Paul. And here in this moment, he shared his testimony, just a little bit of it. I saw a resurrected Jesus. You see, Paul was sharing his story because he knew his story would impact those around him. His story of transformation through the experience with Christ was a transformation. And he knew that if he told his story, if he talked about Jesus, that Jesus would meet whoever he's talking to in the time they needed it, and their story would get changed. Paul's was a redemption story. If you're a Christian here today, you have a redemption story. You have a redemption story. Now, you may not have been on the road to Damascus. You probably were not on the road to Charlotte and blinded and had to have some people help you to somewhere. But folks, let me tell you, any encounter with Jesus Christ is a supernatural encounter and it's amazing. And don't discount your experience with Jesus. Don't discount your experience with Jesus. Just because you weren't near dead in a ditch from being overdosed on drugs does not mean that your story means anything less. I grew up in church. Grandfather was a pastor. I was there every time the doors were open. When I encountered Christ, it was life-changing. It was eternity-changing. And the same for each one of you. Now, a quick sidebar. For those of you who haven't experienced Christ yet, who have not accepted his free gift of salvation, because you're just here checking this thing out, maybe you're wanting to, you know, throw a wrench in all the works and, and your question is the one that's gonna make the whole thing unravel, I wanna encourage you. You maybe have been sitting back waiting to buy into this whole Jesus thing because you're like, look, you don't know me. You don't know my story. You don't know all the things I've done. Friend, let me tell you that if God, through Jesus Christ, can reconcile Saul, he can reconcile with you. The blood of Jesus is greater than any sin you have ever committed. So yeah, I don't know your story, but God does. And Jesus does, and he's willing to extend forgiveness to you. All you have to do is ask him. And I promise you, if you confess your sins and you ask Christ to be your savior, that today it will be yours. Your life will be changed for eternity. Continuing on. It's really noteworthy for us, for Paul, for us to recognize that Paul recognized that it wasn't his hands that were accomplishing all these things. It wasn't, it wasn't his great work it wasn't for him to boast. In fact, it was his recognition here that lets us know who exactly it was, that it was God by his grace working through Paul. It was God doing the work and Paul recognizes it and he tells the Corinthian church, hey guys, yes, you've seen me do a lot of great things, but it's not me. It's just God at work in me. It is Jesus transforming my life and doing his work for his kingdom through me because of his grace and his mercy. Paul continues. So it makes no difference whether I, Paul, preach or other followers of Jesus preach. 
For we all preach the same message that you have already believed. Paul says it doesn't matter who the mouthpiece is as long as the message is the same. As long as we're all talking about the same guy. As long as the message is about Jesus Christ. The same message. As long as we're saying resurrected Jesus is the Messiah. That resurrected Jesus is the Savior. The most important guy in the universe. I like saying that. I don't know what it is. I think maybe it's because of all the recent Marvel and DC movies and all that stuff. There's like this belief in all the expanded aliens and everything else out there. Jesus is the most important guy in the universe. I like it. He's the most important guy in the universe. We're supposed to talk about Jesus. And Paul says it doesn't matter if it's me or any of the other preachers or teachers who've been raised up. As long as the message is the same. As long as everybody is talking about this guy, Jesus Christ. You see, it doesn't matter if it's me or Pastor Jeff or one of the other pastors here or maybe your ABF teacher or, or maybe your small group leader. It doesn't matter if it's you, the person sitting beside you in the chair today. We're called to be part of God's mission, co-laborers with him and sharing the story of Jesus Christ. The same message. And I want to encourage you, you know, we just mentioned that Paul recognized the fact that it wasn't himself doing all these great things, that it wasn't, it wasn't Paul who actually was crucified and resurrected, right? He says, it's, it's not me. Who am I? It is the grace of God at work through me. And friends, today I want us to remember that that same grace is available to us as we are going out, as we're part of a mission trip, as we're part of hanging out with our neighbors and playing cornhole. You guys play cornhole? I'm not awesome at it. It's great. It's not me who's at work. It is the grace of God who is working through me. I can't save you. I can't, I can't add a second to my life. How can I save you for eternity? You see, Paul says that it's the message of Jesus. That's the most important thing. It's the most important thing. And, and when we take a step out in faith and we start talking about Jesus, God's grace is gonna start working. Now, we may not start baptizing people in our backyard pool, but we're planting a seed. Or maybe we're, we're pouring some water on the seed. And maybe, maybe we get to harvest and do the baptism and celebrate with someone who has found Christ. Friends, I want to remind us today that we're supposed to be talking about Jesus. Jesus is a real guy. He walked on this planet He's both God and man. It's a mystery. He's the only guy who offered to die for us. And he's the only guy who died and was gone for three days and came back to life and never died again. 500 people saw resurrected Jesus. You see, we're here today to talk about Jesus 
because he's real, because he's alive. You see, if Jesus wasn't resurrected, then we wouldn't be here. This church wouldn't be here. You wouldn't have faith in Christ. We'd be talking about somebody else or something else. But because Jesus was actually resurrected, because he's a real person, because people saw him alive, we're here. You see, if Christ didn't really resurrect from the dead, then Peter wouldn't have presented a message where 3,000 people became followers of Christ. You see, if, if Christ wasn't resurrected, when the disciples started talking about how they saw a resurrected Jesus, the Pharisees, action number one would have been, hey, let's go to the tomb because we know he's still in here. Get the tomb, let's get the stone out of the way. All right, here he is. They would have produced the body, right? If Jesus hadn't been resurrected, when those, when those knucklehead disciples had started talking about seeing Jesus, they would have produced a body. The disciples would have been made out liars right then and there, and this whole Jesus thing would have been squashed. That didn't happen. I want to encourage all of us today to remember that. Jesus really was who he said he was. He is who he claimed to be. We're here today as living proof of that. The message of his resurrection still exists because in spite of persecution, people still told the story about Jesus. I want to remind us that we've put our faith in the right place. I want to remind us that when we feel that welling up, when we're supposed to have a conversation with someone, that it's okay to talk about Jesus. It's okay to talk about him because he was a real guy. He did what he, could, what he said he would do. Our faith is anchored on the life of a real guy. Our faith is anchored on the events of his resurrection. You see, we don't have to have expansive knowledge of the Bible. You don't have to have a hundred verses memorized to go talk about Jesus. All you need to do is be able to tell his story, that he was the son of God. He was here for three years. The Pharisees hated him. They crucified him. They thought it was done. He was resurrected and he lives now. Tell your story. I was lost. I had no hope. And my path crossed with Jesus, with the resurrected Messiah, and it's changed my life. Talk about the transformation that you're going through, the transformation that's happened in your life. Talk about the hope that you have. When you talk about Jesus, man, you should be talking about this hope and this peace that comes through him. I hope that as we continue through our summers to hang out at the lake with friends or go visit family or whatever it is that's on your schedule for the summer, I hope that as you're, as you're engaging in conversations, that your conversations will include Jesus. I hope that you start having crazy amounts of conversations about Jesus, that you gossip the gospel 
Because the person that you're talking to, the person that you're talking to might be in great need of him. And it's your conversation that will make the introduction. We need to talk about Jesus because he's the greatest guy who's ever lived and is still alive. Let's pray. Father God, we again just thank you for the opportunity to gather together, to worship you, and God, to to talk about your son, to think about all the lives that have been changed since the beginning of time because of who you are and because of who he is. Father, I just lift up every person in this room, every person who's involved with this ministry here today. God, I just pray that that your spirit would move in a great way. Lord, help us all to recognize the truth of who Jesus is. And Lord, give us opportunities to share that truth with other people, to tell the story of who Jesus is, to tell the story of how his life has intersected with our lives. And God, we just thank you. We praise you for who you are. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.